long suffering and judgment. And long suffering and judgment is the title of our message taken from Isaiah chapter 13 and verses 1 to 22. We have two thoughts Babylon, the subdued conqueror, and Babylonian system, the subdued system. Verse 1 to 10 and 11 to 22. At the close of the second epistle of Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter described both the long-suffering of God and his coming judgment. That he sovereignly rules over the nations of the world and therefore its people. God is giving men time to repent and a time will come when time is no more and his judgment must come. The church is given the mandate to evangelize all the nations. And Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 describes for us this great commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This was given by the Lord before his ascension. And then he said in Mark's gospel, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every nation and to every creature. And what is it that we are to preach? Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And so the church, the infant church, was gathered in Jerusalem in an upper room to wait upon the Lord. And it was said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which a father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that ye shall, that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The church, as the representative of God on earth, when Israel forfeited their covenant with God, when they decided that they would go their own way, and there the Lord has to raise up a small remnant, those who would truly follow him with heart, soul, mind and strength. And Peter illustrated this, the preaching that, was, that came as it was before the global flood, before God judged the world with the global flood, the Lord warned the church. And there were many who said, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers asleep, all continue from the beginning. But our Lord warned the church. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking 
and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered to the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The Lord wants us to be serious about our Christian faith. He wants us to follow Him with heart, soul, mind and strength. And the Lord uh, is very clear. He sees the heart if we are truly following Him or if we are not. For if we are not, then we will be like those who will be outside the ark. We will be like those who, having enjoyed themselves, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and we said, miss the boat, miss the boat. Let me have my fun first while you build your ark, the people said to Noah. This was the picture of the nation of Judah just before the impending judgment of God by God's sanctifying one. Verse 3 tells us that God was sent the sanctifying one to judge and that judgment will be severe. And when the judgment came, it was too late. So Peter warned, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens of old were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was was overflowed with water, perished. So there was a time when the Lord instructed Noah to preach, to tell the people of the coming judgment. But there were scoffers walking after their own lust. Very frightening, isn't it? Amongst the church of Jesus Christ, amongst Israel, there were those who are not truly following the Lord. And they are amongst them. And it is very sad. It's very sad. And the Lord is giving the warning again and again. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but it's long-suffering to us. What the Lord is saying to us is that He, he gives time for us to repent. But if we will not repent, the day will come. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. But the heavens and the earth, which now are by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, unto the day of the judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now we were recording our message in Mandarin. And in Mandarin, you know the word for disaster, catastrophe. What is that? Right? You have the, the water and the fire, isn't it? Water and the fire. The two elements that the Lord will use to judge the world. That's disaster. The first one has come, water. Right? Only Noah and the family, that's the Chinese word for boat, right? The zhou with the eight mouths. Survived. Survived. But the second judgment, when the fire comes, where can we run? The only way out is up. Right? The blessed hope, when the Lord will come and bring the church to glory. And so the scoffers walking after their own last. The Lord is saying to us that are we truly serious about our Christian life or is it a show to soothe a seared conscience? Israel was a special people. They were God's people. And yet there was a time in their history 
They did not live like God's people. This was Israel during Isaiah's time when God created the nation of Israel. The Lord said to them in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 to 8, For thou art an people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you are more in number than any, for you are fewest of all the people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he has sworn unto your fathers, and had the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Likewise, the church, we have been gloriously saved. God picked us out, out of the fiery furnace of eternal hellfire in order that he may save us and bring us en route to heaven. And the Lord wants us to see and know what a glorious work He has done to save us, to pluck us out of hellfire. And Isaiah, the prophet, was raised to speak the truth for the Lord's sake. And you recall when we started studying the book, Isaiah assessed the people of Israel. He says in Isaiah 1 verse 4 to 6, Ah, sinful people, a people laden with iniquity, and a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backward. When Jesus first began his ministry, he was in the wilderness. And after the wilderness, he was tempted. He began his ministry. And where did he go to? He went into the temple of God, to the house of prayer. And there he cleaned house. He had to do the right thing to make sure that corruption is taken out. Defectors are taken out. This the Lord has to do. And this he did. He took the whip and he, he swept out. He bring us the money changers, all those who are, who are there for a different purpose to get out, get out. Don't corrupt the house of God. This was Israel. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and petrifying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. The axe was about to fall upon Israel with the Assyrian in Assyrian invasion. And the acts will likewise fall upon Judah when God will send the Babylonians as his instruments of chastisement for his people. The Lord, through his prophet Isaiah, is beckoning his people to repent. The Assyrians and the Babylonians were the cruelest people in the ancient world. If you were to make a study of the Assyrians and the and the Babylonians, you realize that, wow, those were the, the terrible people, the most terrible you can ever see. And why did God raise this as instruments of judgment upon his wayward people? Well, it is because his people, their sins were very 
deplorable in the sight of God. And it grieved the heart of God. It's it's a sad thing, isn't it? A father and a mother has to discipline their children. Is it an easy thing to discipline? No, you would incur their anger. Everybody would be resenting you for disciplining. But it has to be done. It has to be done. For the sake of his people, that there may be righteousness in his house. And so you see here, this is what Isaiah was doing. The prophet expanded his perspective from Israel to include the world. The Israel of the God of Israel is also the Lord of the nations. That is what the Lord wants us to see. That He's the one who raised nations and He's the one over all the nations. The whole section of the book expands the idea of all the kingdoms of the world that will become the kingdoms of God and His Christ, Emmanuel. That is why, you know, when we begin the study in chapter 6, in chapter 9, it is mentioned, right, in the midst of uh, invasion, the Lord speaks, gives the Christmas message, right? The virgin would conceive. And then Emmanuel, God with us, why did God give this? Because sinful men need God. Without God, we will perish unless God will come to us. So in the most difficult time, the gospel was preached. And this is the same message that the church has given its mandate to proclaim. Unless the Lord will do something, we are in trouble. The Emmanuel, Daniel 2 verse 44, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it will stand forever. The kingdom of God will stand forever. And the Lord wants us to know that these nations who reject God, they will likewise perish. But God is long-suffering. God is giving time. And we have to learn to be patient. To admonish those who would oppose themselves. Gently. In order that there may be the Lord's mercy meted out. We observe that the rise and fall of nations are in the hands of God. He sovereignly rules over the nations of the world as he rules over his wayward people, Israel. So as you look at Israel, very small, but you look at the world, very big. Is the same God ruling over the small group and the big group. The same God, and God wants us to see that indeed, this is the world that we lived in under the auspices of God. Acts 17 verse 26 says, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. So the nations, their border, the boundary line, is all decided by the Lord. And all the nations of one blood, isn't it? None of us can say that we are of a different blood. We are all of the same blood. Out of Adam, out of Noah after the flood. Needing salvation grace. And so 
uh, here in this new section from chapter 13 to 23 is given to us Isaiah pronouncing judgment on 10 Gentile nations, including his people, Judah and Israel. Why did God have to pronounce judgment? Because of sin. And you see the recurrence of the word masa or the word burden. Uh, yes, in chapter 3, verse 1, the burden of Babylon. Uh, the word there uh, means uh, the judgment, uh, the judgment, the oracle, uh, which Isaiah, uh, the son of Amos, did see. And you see that repeated. Uh, in the year that King Ahaz died, was this burden, this judgment on Israel. Right, chapter 14, verse 28. Chapter 15, verse 1. The burden of Moab. God's judgment on Moab. Right, Moab. You remember Moab? Yeah, Moab was one of the two, from one of the, the two daughters of Lot, right, who escaped out of Sodom and Gomorrah before God judged them. They had an incest with the father. Right, chapter 17. The burden of Damascus. Uh, Damascus is the capital of Syria. Right, God would judge. Damascus is taken away, being a city, it shall be a ruinous heap. The burden of Egypt, ah, the burden of Egypt, the idols of Egypt shall be removed at his presence. Chapter 21, the burden of the desert of the sea and the whirlwinds in the south, while well, describing uh, Media. Uh, Media is the nation that would plunder Babylon. God would raise the Medes and the Persians, to destroy the Babylonians. Then Duma. Duma is a place that is uh, in Israel itself. Another of the, the judgment that would come upon that city. Then there is Arabia. And then there is the judgment of, of Judah. And the burden of Tyre. Tyre is an island. An island just off uh, Israel uh, in the Mediterranean. And that city was a great, prosperous city. And the Lord sent the Babylonians to come and to destroy it. Right? They had to build a bridge, a bridge right, to, in order to reach it. Right? And, and the, the people in Tyre were so uh, affluent. Right? They said, I don't need God, I have everything. Ah, God sent the Babylonians to destroy them. The judgment begins with Babylon, the first of the ten countries. And later on we'll see why the name Babylon is first. Uh, <clears throat> the nation that will one day swallow up Assyria. Remember Assyria? Assyria is going to come and destroy Israel, right? And which disturbs the peace of Israel. The Lord would stir up as his instrument of judgment. Now, why did the Lord have to talk about judgment of these nations to his people? It is to provide comfort for the remnant of his people. Right? It is a sad thing, isn't it? That you see that whatever is you said is turned into a deaf ear. Right? You, 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 just, you, you just know that it's as if yeah, you're preaching to the war. But the Lord says that his word has to go out. It has to go out. It has to continue until the day when the Lord says enough is enough. 
and then he will act. But in the meantime, while the Lord is long-suffering, we are to continue to give. God ruled over all nations since time immemorial. And Nebuchadnezzar is the greatest Babylonian king whom God consigned to live like an animal for seven years. And he testified. He's the greatest king. He's the figure of gold in Daniel chapter 2. The greatest of the ancient kings. And it is described how the Lord would judge him. They shall drive thee from men, Daniel 4 verse 25 says, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dews of heaven, and seven times that seven years shall pass over thee, and thou shalt know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men, and whoso and giveth it to whomsoever he will. God is sovereign. We must, we must kowtow to him. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. We must submit. Our hearts must be subdued. If we are not, well, it's a sad thing, isn't it? Here, the Lord did that to Nebuchadnezzar. And they drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be the beast of the field. Verse 32, and they shall make thee eat grass as oxen. For seven times shall pass over thee, until thou knowest that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And verse 33, And the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, verse 33 says, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body wet with dew of heaven, till his hair was grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. And the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honoured him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, as he, and he doeth according to his will in, in the army of heaven. In the army of heaven. Not Nebuchadnezzar's army but God's army among the inhabitants of the earth, and none shall stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And at the same time, my reason return unto me, for the glory of my kingdom, my honour and brightness return unto me, and my counsellors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. I, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the King of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. What a frightening message, isn't it? The, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, uh, he was judge of the Lord. Our first thought, Babylon, the subdued conqueror. The word Babylon is derived from Babel, and it's the place, we believe, probably the same spot as the Tower of Babel, recorded in Genesis chapter 11, the capital of Babylonia or Chaldea. And it was probably built by Nimrod. The Bible described Nimrod. It's very interesting that it reads, it says Nimrod. He became a mighty hunter. 
he became a mighty hunter. Suddenly he became great. Suddenly he became powerful. He was energized. Why was he energized? Ah, that energy that came into him. The forces of evil upon him. He was able to raise and God allow him to subdue a kingdom. Babel. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Babel, Babel. And Babylon, the modern day Iraq was the natural seat of the empire in the east and it's early distinguished for its commercial advantages. If you look at the map of Asia, you will see that in Babylon is the natural seat of power in the east. That's the crossroad between Asia and Europe and that is the place where... where uh, empires are, uh, well, are uh, built because commerce uh, began from there. So the commerce from the rich regions of Asia were passed through Babylon on its way to Europe and West Asia. It was the crossroad. It was the center of a vast, fertile region, Babylon. And that was the place at the Euphrates River. Right? And that's where the kingdom of Babylon Began, this first of all the empires is recorded. Right? This is the land of Shina, the land of the Chaldeans, and the prophecy here uh, is given uh, in Isaiah, <coughs> uh, describing uh, what is to come 124 years before the event. So God is going to bring the Babylonians in 586 BC, and here it's possibly at about 710 BC, before the Christian era, 710 years before the Christian era. We said that BC, before Christ, and AD, Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. So that's how history was divided. At the pivotal point, the Lord of history came. Jesus Christ came at the, Lord, at the pivotal point of history. So he divides history he is that pivotal point. You have him, you have life. Without him, no life. And so uh, it is described for us here, that prophecy. And uh, how uh, the Babylonians will come in 586 BC, 124 years after 710 BC. And then God would use the Persians, uh, Cyrus, in 536 BC right, to destroy the the Babylonians. Ah, so the Lord, in this prophecy, right, speaks long and hard. Many things are included throughout a great span of time. As you read it, you realize that, wow, what a God, what a God. And the Jews thought right, that uh, they were secured in Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem is uh, uh, up in a very high mountain and it's, it is a impregnable fortress. Right? It is a natural fortress. Uh, all around it is surrounded with mountains. And in order to uh, take down Jerusalem, right, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strategically very difficult. Right? And there, uh, the Lord uh, uh, placed the nation of Israel. And there also, 
is uh, shown to us, as the commentator uh, Barnes tells us, uh, how uh, the Israel was sitting right, in the place whereby God would use them to be his instrument of righteousness to the whole world. But they were not doing that. Instead, they were delving with the gods of this world. They were following the gods of this world. They were supposed to be the people to point others to the living God, and yet they were going after the world. That's a very sad thing, isn't it? And that's the description of the church today. It's described that the church of the last days is like the church in Laodicea. Why is Laodicea? If you have gone to Laodicea, the travel in Turkey, Laodicea is a barren land. When we were there in 1998, we see barren land. There was an aqueduct, uh, aqueduct that you can see there that brings water. And because the water is, uh, 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 flows from above, the aqueduct, so exposed to the sun. Right? So it's not, it's not the cool spring water that you would see, uh, but when it comes down because it was exposed to the sun, the water becomes warm. Right? Neither hot nor cold. And not too hot, the sun can't really you know, heat up the water until it is, very, it is boiling. And yet, it is not cool spring water. Right? So, Laodicea, neither hot nor cold. And the Lord says, like, He will spill you out. Right? And that's a description of the church. Neither hot nor cold. It's a sad thing, isn't it? Why did the Lord give this vision of is for Israel? Because Israel is like that. Neither hot nor cold. A very frightening prospect, isn't it? The people of God, they were supposed to be God's instruments of righteousness, and yet they are not. And so here is described for us uh, the judgment that is to come. Verse 2, lift thee up a banner upon the high mountain, and exhort the voice unto them, and shake the hand, that they may go into the gates of the noble. Here the vision opens up with the command of God to assemble his forces to go and accomplish his work to destroy the city of Babylon. And to lift up the banner is a, is a military standard or an ensign whereby the prophet, hearing the solemn command of God uh, that the nation is to be, the nations is to be gathered together uh, and to surround Babylon, right? and to destroy it. So the Lord calls out for his destruction. Right? And up the mountain is a description of the, the military leaders that to plant a standard or a tower or a high mountain in order that they might see afar. It's like an observation post. Right? Observation post. You need to have clear sight of your enemy. Right? You need to know what your enemy is doing. Right? And here the Lord is saying here that you, you prepare for war and put, set your observation pole and exhort the voice, raise up the voice, commanding the people to assemble and prepare to march against Babylon. This was a call to battle. And, and who, who will be the one that will come and destroy Babylon? It will be the, the, the Medes and the Persians, right, whom God will employ to destroy Babylon, to shake the hand right, in the way uh, is to uh, wave with a sign 
and the nations to assemble for the destruction of Babylon. And so to go into the gates of the nobles, right? the Babylons were the officials, they were the nobles, they were the who's who. Right? They were the people that are notable in the society. Ah, but it was the same people that the Lord is going to judge. Daniel 5, verse 30 to 31, described how the Lord will judge the Babylonian kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar, that's grandchild of Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius, the Median, took the kingdom. He was about three score and two years, 62 years old when he came. Verse 4, the noise of a multitude in the mountain, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mastered, mastereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord, the weapons of his indignation, to destroy the whole land. Here is described for us the command to which war the nations gathered together to destroy the Babylonians. And, you know, if you go to that part of the land, uh, you realize that you, you can't really see or you can find traces of, of its majesty, right? traces of its majesty, what they were before, right? how it were, they were so thoroughly destroyed. Right? The Lord thoroughly destroyed them. He then proceeds to depict uh, how that destruction will come, verse 6. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Here you see the Lord uh, uh, through Isaiah uh, tells us uh, about the judgment uh, at the end of days. Right? The judgment was to the Babylonians that will come 170, uh, 24 years later, but it is also a judgment that will come at the end of days, in the day of the Lord. Right, the day of the Lord re, 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 re speaks of the day of the Lord's return to judge the world. Right, when the Lord returns to judge the world, it, was, it will be during the time of the tribulation period. The Lord will come. And here you see the prophet suddenly brings us to something future. Something future. The day of the Lord. How? It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid, and the pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them, and they shall be in pain as women in travail, and they shall be amazed at one and another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold the day of the Lord, cruel both with wrath and anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of the heaven and the constellations shall not give their light. So here, Isaiah is projecting towards the destruction during the, the tribulation period. And the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation, which we believe will come uh, at some point in time after the rapture of the church. Uh, you see uh, the, 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 the cosmic uh, movements, uh, great cosmic movements. Uh, the stars... Uh, shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened. Uh, the sun shall be darkened. The time of judgment. You know, the time when Christ was laid on the cross after 12 noon, suddenly the whole place was dark. 
For three hours, it was dark. Why was it dark? Well, to show the darkness of sin that Christ was uh, holding upon his shoulders when he bore all our sins on the cross. And here is described for us a judgment, judgment against sin. The Babylonians were the instruments of God to chastise his people, but the Babylonians themselves, uh, being cruel people, would be chastised of God. God will send the meats, uh, his sanctified ones to come. And in our second thought, uh, our first thought is the, we speak about uh, Babylonia, the subdued conqueror. And secondly, Babylonian system, the subdued system. Verse 11 says, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the poor to cease and will lay low against the haughtiness of the terrible. Here is described for us, uh, here is described for us the, the, the end days where the world, uh, the world is described as a Babylonian system. Uh, Revelation 17 and Revelation 7, 18 describe the political Babylon and the economic Babylon. Right? The one world uh, system that we are seeing, the new world order that we are seeing that is raising before our eyes with the World Economic Forum. And we can see all this uh, forming itself before us, the one world political system, one world economic system. Right? You see that in trial uh, in, the, in the European Union right, over the last maybe 10, 15 years. Uh, one region. But God has always created nation states, not regions. So you're wondering why regions. Right? You realize if you read uh, the... Uh, book of Daniel, and you realize that in the last days, ten kings will come. The world will be divided. Uh, may I give a hypothesis that divided into ten regions. Singapore falls into the ASEAN region, right? the economic zone, and soon perhaps the political zone. And in Europe, right, the, the president is not elected. Is chosen. And we are speaking about even a king that will come out of the European Union. And what does it tell you? Well, the book of, uh, book of Daniel tells us that there will be ten kings that come, and from the ten kings will rise the Antichrist. In a very short time, the one world system will give itself, uh, form itself from ten to one the Antichrist system that will rise. And so this is the Babylonian system that the Lord is speaking about, right? uh, that the Lord will punish for their evil. And this, verse 12 of our text says, And I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than fine the golden wedge of Ophir. Then I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall move out of her place, and the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the fierce of his anger. Now, this is a description during the time of the tribulation. The word tribulation in the Greek uh, means to be pressed together. Pressure. It speaks of oppression, affliction, great tribulation. Right. And this 
the Bible describes in the Old Testament in Isaiah here as the day of the Lord. So Isaiah is at the same time preaching about Babylon and its destruction, but is speaking more than that. The greater Babylon, the world system that we are speaking about, the Lord will judge. And so sometimes as we study the new world order and, and the plans that is going on, and today we, they talk about the uh, a 15-minute city. Right? You cannot drive, move beyond that boundary. All has to be within that boundary. Ah, you realize that, wow, yeah, the system is upon us. Right? Last three years, what happened? Well, you cannot even get out of your house. Your house becomes your prison. Ah, very frightening, isn't it? Yeah, but this uh, will go worse and worse. And so as you think of it, you realize that, wow, it's, it's quite frightening. But at the same time, the Lord is saying to us that He is on the throne. He is on the throne. The world will move in that direction, but the Lord is going to judge it when it comes. And from verse uh, 15 and 16 and 17, you will see a description of the destruction in Babylon. Everyone that is found shall be thrust through and everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled, their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the meats against them. So the Babylonians will be destroyed by the meats. Now, this, uh, the Babylonians were not even raised. You know, Isaiah is saying to them that the Babylonians will, will, will come, and God will destroy the Babylonians. And after that, he will raise the meats. So you see, as you read the Word of God, you would know what the Lord is doing, what the future is going to be. And therefore, it gives us much grace and wisdom, isn't it, to align our lives to it so that we will not suffer loss. If you know what's going to come, their bowls shall dash the young men to pieces, verse 18, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb, their eyes shall not spare. And Babylon, the glory of the kingdoms, and the beauty of the Chaldeans' excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. How did God overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah? Fire came down from heaven, isn't it? To destroy it. And in the last days, in the book of Revelation, the Babylon, the, the economic Babylon, the political Babylon, will be destroyed. And the Lord will destroy it. And this here is a description for us to see. Uh, and it shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But the wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures. And the owls shall dwell there, and the satyrs shall dance there, and the Wild beasts and of the islands shall cry in the desolate places and dragons in their places and the time is near. Her days shall not be prolonged. Here the Lord is describing the destruction that come upon Babylon. Babylon symbolizes in the scripture the world system that is confederated against God. And the people of God must not, must not be involved with the world. Like Babylon in Isaiah's days, the world today seems so successful and invincible, isn't it? But one day, the whole system will fall. And you see our system 
right, since the Bretton Woods uh, in 1944, uh, is fast collapsing. And a new system is going to come. A world system is going to come. A digital currency, a central bank digital currency. And at that time, oh, you see all transactions has to be recorded. There's no more under table, no more. Everything. So if you, anything has to, can be shut, it will be shut. Your bank account can be, can be freezed. And when your bank account is freezed, what happened? Oh, you cannot, you are, you, are, you, are, you are in trouble, isn't it? Uh, this is the coming world order. Frightening? Yes. But you know that the Lord is on the throne. The Lord will judge this system. Right? And so here you see the beginning of it. Right? And uh, you will see uh, from chapter 13 to 20, chapter 23, the nations uh, that are presented, and the Lord Emmanuel as the ruler. Right? Sometimes we think about the things that are happening, the injustices that are going on, and the things that we, we think that you know, there is no justice in this world. No, we have a God who is infinitely, infinite, eternal, and, and, and infinite and, and un unchangeable in His justice and we can rely on him he is the just god he will he will judge justly and we can we can cry out to him for justice and he will meet out justice for he knows all things he sees all things and therefore here he announces against babylon and what was the trouble with babylon well it was the pride of babylon babylon was a very proud city and in chapter Isaiah chapter 14, it will, it will be described for us who is behind it. Uh, next week during our conference, we will be going through uh, what, who is behind it. Satan is behind it. Lucifer, if you look forward to chapter 14, you will see uh, Lucifer, how he was the greatest, the most beautiful of God's archangels, closest to the Lord. And yet he turned, he rebelled against the Lord because he thought his own beauty was his own. And he began to turn and began to change. That's a very sad thing, but that was Satan. That was the same situation you see in Judas Iscariot. He was the one holding the back. And what happened to Judas Iscariot? He betrayed the Lord. Very frightening, but that is a reality. He was like the disciples, very close, and yet... And yet, he was not to be a frightening thing, isn't it? It causes us to sit up and realize and shudder. But we know that the Lord is on the throne. The Lord has to go to the cross. He will be betrayed. He will be tried. And then he will be crucified. But after he was crucified, he would rise again the third day. Sin will be defeated. And the Lord will be triumphant. And his people who would submit to him, would be subdued under him, uh, would find peace and joy through him. May the Lord be merciful to strengthen his people. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for thy word. Grant us thy grace to follow thee. Grant us thy peace and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. This I pray with thanksgiving through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.